بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وبه نستعين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين والصلاة والسلام على نبينا محمد بن عبد الله صلى الله عليه وسلم All praises belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise him and we seek his assistance and we seek his guidance and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the adverse consequences of our deeds we testify that whomsoever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomsoever He misguides, then none can guide. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is His messenger. Brothers and sisters in Islam, from the outset, I greet you with the greetings of Islam. Salamullahi alaykum. I think uh, Uncle Adil didn't do such a good job teaching you guys how to respond to the salam. Just so you know, when the salam is given, you get 10 rewards for saying Assalamu Alaikum and 20 for saying Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah and 30 for saying Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh and also if someone greets you, it's compulsory for you to respond. I'm not sure if that lesson has reached Bracknell. To give the salam is sunnah, but to respond to it is compulsory, is wajib. So once again, let's participate in the greetings of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Barakallahu feekum. It's a great pleasure to be here with you all this evening as uh, Hafiz Imam Ibrahim uh, mentioned uh, the idea of coming here has been something discussed uh, a long while before um, and it required the qadr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no doubt for it to become a reality for one reason or the other in previous trips uh, scheduling a visit to Bracknell wasn't possible so being here today makes it all the more special and seeing you all here uh, in this community with your children in an event uh, run by family events in an evening dedicated towards the topic of the happy Muslim family all this collectively makes my attendance and the attendance of the family events team uh, all the more special I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the outset to make us a people that hears a good word and follows it. Ameen. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us a people forgiven upon our departure. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Brothers and sisters in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, which is the best revelation, He referred to the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the best nation. So in the best revelation, the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam has been referenced as the best nation. But we know brothers and sisters in Islam, a nation is nothing but a collection of communities. And a community is nothing but a collection of families. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the best revelation describes the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, as the best nation then this is reference 
to the Muslim family being the, from the best families on earth. Or when we look at families, then the best of families has to be the Muslim family. And that is why it is imperative that whenever we reference a Muslim family, that family is referenced as a happy Muslim family. Because the Ummah of Muhammad وسلم, will always be part of the solution and should never ever be part of the problem. And if that nation is made up of families, then the Muslim family should always be part of the solution and never be part of the problem. And this is why I highlight that whenever we reference the Muslim family, we never ever remove or disassociate that reference from the term happy. It's not strange that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Muslim nation and the Muslim family as the best of all nations and the best of all families. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the Muslim family a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on earth. And not just a sign of his existence, but a sign of him being the only one worthy of worship. Many a time a marriage takes place or a boy is looking for a potential spouse or a girl is looking for her potential spouse. Never ever do the elders of society highlight to them that they're actually looking for a spouse to engage in a process that will make them a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence for us and a sign that is the only one worthy of worship. My evidence for the Muslim family being a sign from the signs of Allah on earth is an ayah in Surah Al-Rum in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ أَنْ خَلَقَ لَكُمْ مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ أَزْوَاجًا لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا وَجَعَلَ بَيْنَكُمْ مَوَدَّةً وَرَحْمَةً Allah says, from the signs of Allah on earth, is that He created for every male his pair, his spouse. Allah made for every male his pair and spouse. A pair and a spouse that he may retrieve serenity and tranquility from. A pair and a spouse that he can create a home with. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. And then he says, Inna fi Indeed, in the marriage is a sign for those who contemplate, for those who ponder. Is a sign of what? Is a sign of Allah's existence. Is a sign of what? Is a sign of Allah being the only one worthy of worship. Someone might say, it's clear that the marriage can be a sign of Allah's existence. But how is it a sign of him being the only one worthy of worship? When in another ayah Allah says, وَمِن كُلِّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقْنَا زَوْجَيْنِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ Allah says, we've created everything in pairs so you can remember and know. Remember and know what? That Allah is one. How can everything being created in pairs teach us that Allah is one? We know that everything has its opposite. The male has a female. The female has a male. Tall has its opposite, which is short. And short has its opposite, which is tall. Cold has its opposite, which is hot. And hot 
has its opposite which is cold and like this you can apply the paradigm to a whole range of phenomenons and realities and you will find that each phenomenon has its pair Allah says we've created everything in pairs so you can know know what that Allah is one how ya Allah because you cannot have two except that it comes from one that every two that you have you know exists because of one one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one creator one Lord one nourisher one sustainer Allah Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal Al-Wahidul Qahar Al-Ahad Al-Samad Al-Ladhi Lam Yalid Wa Lam Yulad Wa Lam Yakun Lahu Kufuwan Ahad So coming back to the initial point brothers and sisters in Islam Allah describes in some way the Muslim family as the best family and it's not strange because the Muslim family is a sign of Allah's existence and a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one worthy of worship in this ayah in Surah Al-Rum Allah says that Allah placed between this husband and wife two elements important elements love and mercy and the scholars of tafsir they explain love as the human element that grows within a marriage and I highlight it as something that grows within a marriage because love is something substantial it's not something shallow and that's why I always mention to the youth whenever they request duas that they marry some boys say sheikh please make dua you know I marry this girl but the girls say sheikh you know make dua I marry this boy I say no I'll make dua that Allah makes you marry him or her if it's good for you say no sheikh please mention the name I say why why mention the name it cannot be that you cannot live without this person no sheikh I love her or sheikh I love him say but how can you love him or her say but I do say okay tell me what you know about them and they know very little how can you love something you don't know you can't love something you don't know love is something substantial even with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah revealed as the first revelation Iqra, which is to read and learn and then the first thing he told us to learn about is who Allah for Allah said learn and know that there's no one worthy of worship besides one Allah why learn about Allah because the more you learn about Allah the more you learn what Allah has done for you and the more you understand what he's done for you the more you love that Allah and when you love that Allah you'll want to worship that Allah you'll want to obey that Allah and that's why we have the levels of Islam and Iman and Ihsan that as you grow your relationship with Allah your love for your Lord grows and when your love for your Lord grows your desire to worship him increases and grows as well so Allah places the important element of love between the husband and the wife and I highlight it as the human element that grows doesn't exist from the beginning it grows within the marriage because as the marriage develops the husband learns new amazing things about his wife and as the marriage develops the wife learns new amazing things about her husband and with this knowledge does love begin to sprout and with that sprouting do we find a palatable relationship which exists between them and this internal desire for them to take care of each other's rights in the least and as the love grows they live with each other upon the realm of responsibility and that's that's where love is when a husband and wife can live together upon the paradigm of responsibility it's not a case where each and every one is only asking about their rights but it's my right and the husband says but it's my right 
No, it's a case whereby even though it's your right or not your right, it will be done because that's the responsible thing to do. Right? This is when there's love. So Allah places love between the spouses and it grows with the marriage and then Allah places mercy. And the scholars of tafsir from the explanations of mercy is that mercy refers to the children. For the children are a mercy and the child comes as a result of the marriage. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit more why the child is considered and referred to as a mercy. But before that, brothers and sisters in Islam, consider this, that between the husband and wife, there is this phenomenon of love and mercy that governs them being together. And with this collectively, they celebrate the existence of Allah. They celebrate the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one worthy of worship. They are a celebration, a physical testimony of La ilaha illallah. La ma'buda bihaqqin illallah. There is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us from the outset of the Muslim family. Now, on a lighter note, some, uh, someone said that Ja'ala baynakum mawaddata wa rahma. We placed between the husband and wife love and mercy, love during the honeymoon period. When the marriage is new and everybody wants to do everything irrespective. And mercy when the love dries up. The love dries up, they still remain together, tolerating each other, being merciful to each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. No doubt, the marriage upon responsibility entails great tolerance. But coming back to the point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the children as a form of mercy that Allah blesses this marriage with. With the children, many of us realize the term family. But the reality is, brothers and sisters in Islam, the family comes before the children arrive. For from an Islamic perspective, a family is a family after the nikah is complete. It's the spouse, the female spouse, it's the woman, the wife, that makes a man complete and creates a family situation for him. To the extent that in the Arabic language, which is a language of great character, the Arabs, when they ask someone about his wife, they never ever say, كَيْفَ زَوْجَتُكَ Linguistically, they can say that, but this lacks adab and lacks character. They never say, how is your wife? They will say, Kaifa ahluk? How is your family? Even if they're newlyweds and it's well known that they have no children, when they ask someone about his better half, they will refer to her as his family. This is the adab and character of the Arabic language. And it recognizes a reality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set for us in the Quran and in the sunnah that it is really the wife that creates a family situation for her spouse even before the children arrive for because of her his house becomes a home and because of her he now has the halal means to gain mercy into his life in the form of the children the children brothers and sisters in islam are a mercy no doubt and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights for us exactly why they are a mercy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاتَّبَعَتْهُمْ ذُرِّيَّتُهُمْ بِإِيمَانِ 
الحقنا بهم ذريتهم وما علتناهم من عملهم من شيء كل امرئ بما كسب رهين الله says as for the people of iman and belief if they lived upon iman and belief and inspired their children to live upon iman and belief and die upon iman and belief Allah says in the hereafter Allah will gather that family together in Jannah why will he gather them together in Jannah because a home upon belief and attachment to the Sunnah is a home that builds Jannah on earth a family that collectively adheres to the Sunnah of the Prophet is a family that builds Jannah on earth the promise of Allah is that if we live in our happy families true to the reality of a Muslim family as taught to us in the Quran and the Sunnah you and your children will become Jannah builders on earth as a gift for you and your children being a Jannah builder on earth Allah will gather you and your children in a better Jannah than the Jannah you tried to build whilst you were on earth subhanallah this is a mercy from the mercies of Allah now what does this ayah mean this ayah means that if the people of Jannah are entered into Jannah and the parents are at a lower level and the children are at a higher level of Jannah Allah will raise the parents to the rank of the children so they can be united as a family in the highest Jannah as they lived their lives collectively trying to build Jannah on earth and vice versa if the parents are at a higher position in Jannah and the children are at a lower position in Jannah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will raise the children to the level of the parents so that they can be united in Jannah together as they were united building Jannah on earth together subhanallah this is a mercy from Allah upon the Muslim family and no doubt when you are united with your family in the highest Jannah you indeed will be a happy Muslim family this is the reality of our talk we've been moving around only speaking from the Quran and the Sunnah no riffraff no intellectual thoughts everything left behind in the inheritance of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam about a reality from the realities of the Muslim family and what is really and truly a happy Muslim family a reality that many of us perhaps know but we forget to realize or we are we, we just don't realize in the first place for one reason or the other no doubt the 21st century setting the hustle and bustle of living as a Muslim minority in the UK sometimes causes these realities to go over your head because you're so busy with the micromanagement of the family matters making sure the bills are paid the school fees are taken care of making sure the heating is paid for making sure the you know the children have clothing and so on and so forth we're so busy with the micromanagement of the family that we forget the macro values that the muslim family enjoys or should be enjoying and as a result perhaps we fail to put the necessary checks and balances the necessary paradigms the necessary processes in the management of the family that keeps us as that family that collectively builds Jannah on earth aiming to be a family united in Jannah in the hereafter brothers and sisters in Islam Wallahi wa billahi wa tallahi I swear by Allah there's no one no one on earth who is more sincere than you as a parent to meet your child on the day of Qiyamah as a believer 
There is no one who will care more than you for your child to pass away as a believer and not just a believer, but a believer upon the sunnah. I can tell you now that it's every parent's dream when they're on their deathbed, passing away, knowing that very soon they will say goodbye to their progeny. Those who they raised, a mother will look at those who were in her belly, were part and parcel of her for so many months. There's no doubt that on their deathbed, they look at their family wanting and longing to meet them very soon. They have this wish that I hope we are united soon. We're on the day of Qiyamah. But that union and unity cannot happen unless those children pass away as believers as well. And that is why brothers and sisters in Islam, whenever we talk about these matters, it's important that we move into important action points that we need to take away. A lecture is not a lecture for the sake of being a lecture. It has to be transformative in its value. If we realize that all these realities exist with the Muslim family, and indeed, I want to meet my child by the hawd of the Prophet wasallam as a believer, so we can drink together. Maybe we can be united underneath the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala together. Maybe we, and, and no doubt, we want to be gathered in the highest jannah together. Then we need to understand that we need to do that which is necessary on earth before we depart this earth to ensure that the vision is understood by the entire family and the strategies are in place by the entire family and every member of that family has a clear understanding of the world they seek to create and the hereafter that they wish to see the husband has to be on the same page the mother has to be on the same page the children have to be on the same page and one of the action points that I'm sharing with the different communities that we are visiting in the UK is the importance of using the festive period where people who are not from the family of Islam are doing all sorts that really don't benefit them in this life or the next. The fact that we are all on holidays, we should use these moments for reflection. These are reflective moments. Whilst others are busy with festivities, we need to be busy with reflection. The husband and the wife need to switch off their mobile phones, need to keep the door locked, need to get someone, one of the family members to look after the kids. And a great meeting needs to take place between the husband and wife, whereby collectively they ask each other and they answer for each other. Important questions such as, are we a husband and wife for the sake of Allah? Are we parents for the sake of Allah? Are we signs from the signs of Allah on earth? Do we live that reality? Are we celebrating in our marriage the testimony of faith, La ilaha illallah, or the first portion of the testimony of faith? If not, what can we do to do so? And let us recognize why we're not doing so. What can we put into place to ensure that we can lift ourselves off the situation before the next moment for reflection arrives? These are important conversations that should happen. Because brothers and sisters in Islam, this life is not a dream, it's a reality. And we better not live this life as if we're dreaming. And then when we die, we suddenly wake up. Rather live in the reality. And when you pass away, get given glad tidings of Jannah. So you can sleep in your grave dreaming about that Jannah. Right? So this is not a dream. We need to have the real discussions with each other. Just like the parents get together to discuss the school matters. Which school are we going to put them in? Which job are we going to take? All the dunya we worldly matters, we take it seriously, we sit together, we make sure that, you know, the wife is present, the husband is present, we need to have this meeting, we make time for it. We got to do what we have to do, right? What are we doing with regards to 
us looking after La ilaha illallah in our marriage. That we are signs from the signs of Allah being the only one worthy of worship. And then ask yourself the next question. And the next question is, are we celebrating Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is the second part of the shahada? How do you celebrate Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? By being a couple for the sake of Allah upon the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For if you are a husband for Allah's sake and a wife for Allah's sake and a mother for Allah's sake and a father for Allah's sake, then you better live for Allah how Allah wants you to live. And you will only know how Allah wants you to live from where? From the life of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For Allah described him as our best example. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ In your messenger is the best example. In your messenger is the example of how Allah wants you to be on earth. In your messenger is the example of the father that Allah wants you to be. In the messenger is the example of the mother that Allah wants you to be. In the messenger is the example of the son that Allah wants you to be. In the messenger is the example of the mother that of the daughter that Allah wants you to be. This is the next discussion that the husband and wife needs to have. An important discussion. One thing that helps is for both the husband and wife to write down what they would like to see the day they die. This is something I've, I've meant to different people, different families, different age groups. And this is a process that I put into place to assist uh, transformative uh, processes after advice is shared because we must know something and then grow from knowing some people say Sheikh, you know you spoke all this wallahi alhamdulillah and we really wanted but we don't know where to start well you start with the meeting then they say well what should we do in the meeting well one of the things you must do in the meeting is take time out let the husband contemplate when he is on his deathbed when he looks at his wife what does he want to see that will please his heart when he looks at his children what does he want to see that will please his heart let him write it down the wife must do the same. She must think when I'm on my deathbed about to breathe my last, when I look at my husband, what do I want to see? When I look at my children, what do I want to see? And I want you to add an extra question because Muslim families make up communities and communities make up nations and Allah described the Muslim nation as the best nation. Add this question. When I look at my community, what do I want to see? When I look at my community, what do I want to see? Write all this down. Hand your paper to your husband and you take his paper, right? The spouses must exchange the papers and they should read it sincerely, not jokingly, sincerely, because this is a serious writing. Think of it as your will. It's a form of will that you've put down. So the husband understands the world the wife seeks to create and the wife understands the world the husband seeks to create. And this assists in the relationship moving forward the decision making moving forward the husband and the wife find themselves upon the same page now some people say sheikh wallahi from experience some people have gotten back to me and they say we tried the process but we really didn't know what we want to see the day we die we didn't know what we wanted to see so what should we do one thing that i found which helps is if you can't write what you want to see, write down what you don't want to see. Because in my experience working with people, I found out that a lot of the times they don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. So start with what you don't want to see. It happens, right? 
You're going out for a meal. Which restaurant should we go to? Ah, anything. I don't know. I don't know what, where I want to go. Whatever. Then someone says Chinese. You say, no, no, no. I don't want to go for Chinese. Say, but you said whatever. Say, yeah, I, I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't want, right? A lot of us know what we don't want. So maybe start there. If you have difficulty writing down what you want, start with what you don't want. Then that will paint a clear path for you to understand or have an understanding of that which you possibly want and then work that way forward. When you're done, the husband and, and wife meeting is over, bring your children into the fold. Sit down with them. Explain to them this vision that you have. Explain to them your desire to be with them in Jannah. Explain to them the reality of Muslims living as Muslim minorities in the UK. And explain to them certain strategies and process that you want them, that you want to implement and that you need their help with. And also get from them their ideas because a Muslim family is considered functioning when there's a two-tier uh, flow between, or between the members of the family. It's not a case whereby the tier of the parents are only giving demands and the tier of the children are only receiving demands. Let the children understand what the world you both seek to create as parents and then tell them to speak their minds. At least you can assess their level of maturity. You can assess their level of understanding in terms of where they came from and where they're going and how they need to get there successfully. And you might find that they come with amazing ideas. Implement those ideas. Let them feel part of the bigger picture of the family. This is the description of a family that builds Jannah on earth, seeking to be united in a better Jannah than the Jannah that they built in the hereafter. This is the process, brothers and sisters in Islam. Now you might say, Wallahi, you're making life sound hard. You're making family life sound hard. Well, in answer to your question, brothers and sisters in Islam, this is life. This is not Jannah. <laughs> you're living life after all. Easiness is only in Jannah. In this world, we have moments of ease and moments of necessity and over moments of difficulty. If you think that you're in Jannah, you're in the wrong place. I have news for you. If you think you don't have to do this because it should be a given, you're in the wrong place. Wallahi, brothers and sisters in Islam, for those who follow my da'wah and my teaching since 2005 or 2006, everything that I do, every decision I make, including the decision to be here with you all, including the decision to be a part of family events, including the decision to latch onto this topic and discuss this topic is based on a vision which I have. And that is a vision of ignited communities that benefit humanity. Communities ignited to be part of the solution. Because after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there's no prophet that came and there's no prophet to come. The legacy of prophethood was not to be transferred from the shoulders of one man to the shoulders of another man. Rather, the legacy of prophethood was to be transferred from the shoulders of one man to the collective shoulders of Muslim families. Understand this, brothers and sisters in Islam. If we don't do our bit in raising our families as we should, celebrating La ilaha illallah, celebrating Muhammadur Rasulullah, we will not be that happy Muslim family. Irrespective of how much financial standing and material well-being the family has, irrespective of the spacious home that the family has, irrespective of the great results that the children have and the qualifications they've achieved, Irrespective of all this, the true paradigm, the only paradigm is the Islamic paradigm. And the question every family member needs to ask himself or herself, 
does Allah consider this family a happy Muslim family? And that is what counts brothers and sisters in Islam. That is the answer which counts brothers and sisters in Islam. Ignited communities that benefit humanity. We collectively carry the legacy of Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. If one of us or a family from amongst us chooses not to be part of carrying this legacy, we are only making the weight of the legacy heavier upon those families that choose to. That's what we're doing, brothers and sisters in Islam. When I travel to places, people complain about the Imams, about the Ulama, about the Duat. They look at all the vice going around. Look at the drugs. Look at, you know, the curriculum changes in school. Look at the intermingling, intermingling between the sexes and so on and so forth. All these gen, gender issues. And what are the Imams doing? Our children are suffering. Who's going to take care of them? And I say, you know what, to our parents in society, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Yes, the Imams have a role. Yes, they carry the legacy of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But you as parents carry that legacy as well. When you point a finger, there's three fingers pointing back at you. The question you should be asking is what have you done to raise a model husband who won't abuse his wife tomorrow so your child doesn't become a burden to society and the Imams tomorrow? What have you done to raise a daughter who will be a model mother and wife so that the marriage she gets involved in doesn't become a burden for the imams and dua tomorrow. What have you done to do your part? Are you still attached to the cultural parts of your life? Are you still all about what will society say? What will happen to my name in society? Or are you a servant of Allah? And everything about your being is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That before you speak, you ask yourself, is this beloved to Allah or not? If it is, I will do it. And if it isn't, I will leave it. Where are you at with regards to your understanding of the legacy that you collectively carry with the rest of the Ummah of La Ilaha Illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah? So, brothers and sisters in Islam, as I end, Alhamdulillah, we've highlighted what the topic is, we've highlighted why it's important, and we've highlighted how to go about achieving a truly happy Muslim family. Inshallah, I've left you with sound bites that are effective i've left you with a plan inshallah that can be implemented and you will make me the happiest being if i visit you next time in bracknell and inshallah your masjid will be up because everyone here is part of the solution you're part of the whole and i find muslim families collectively building jannah aiming to be united in a better jannah in the hereafter i love you all for the sake of allah and jazakallah khair for your a wonderful listenership and attendance. Everything correct said is from Allah alone and He's perfect. And any mistakes are from myself and Shaytan. And I seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. May Allah forgive our past and inspire our futures. And may Allah protect us and our families. And may Allah only cause us to die whilst He's pleased with us. And may Allah preserve our families after our departure. And may Allah raise us with our families as believers on the day of Qiyamah and gather, gather us underneath His Arsh. And Grant us the gift of collectively drinking from the hawd and basin of the Prophet After blessing us with lives upon the sunnah on earth, may Allah ease our standing in front of him and gather us with our families and loved ones in the highest jannah with Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hada wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.
Jazakallah Khair Chef Okay